You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. A very good day to our listeners and welcome to the podcast. Today's date the 6th of October 2022. Okay, autumnal is the word I'm going to use today. Uh, It definitely has that sort of a feel to it. Uh, Around about this time of the year, we do have a little bit more of a dangerous element to what I'm saying as we get what we call the Gotta Freer, which is really, uh, I suppose if you look at your English equivalents, you will have heard the word monsoon very quickly. Uh, But it's when everything really does get a heavy downpour. So I know that we've had rain up here. I wonder, has Terry had the same down where he is? Uh, Just about um, a 40 minutes drive away in the direction of Alicante. So a very good day. Welcome to you, Terry. And uh, your weather, has it been as bad as what we've had up here? No, uh, it's fine. It was supposed to be uh, very bad today. Um, with, with huge storms. I've been having to organise my work for the last seven days. I've got outside work and inside work, so I've been sending boys left and right trying to find where the dry areas are. And today uh, I was expecting a massive, massive storm, but it just didn't didn't happen at all. A little sprinkling of rain about 2 o'clock, I mean, literally a shower, and that was it. So we got away lightly today. Oh, well, I'm glad for you because we've had uh, really heavy rain, and um, yes, and of course, at this time of the year, I always remember when I was doing the weather forecast on on the third. I used to always say, "Well, we're near the mountains and we're near the sea, so it can be, you know, quite difficult to predict exactly where things will happen." Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's a microclimate where I am, where the the Underferro Studios used to be. Yeah, uh, we are literally surrounded by mountains on uh, certainly on two sides, and then towards the south by the. Uh, a very high hillside that's on the end of Benidorm, and it creates a, a complete microclimate climate, uh, which makes it a very green area uh, and a very l- nice area to live. And the mountains to the north of us, which are obviously to the south of you, quite often we can see massive clouds building up against the, the that mountain on your side, on the north side, but they don't get over the mountain down to us, so uh, it keeps us nice and dry. Okay, well, long, long may, may it be that way. Uh, just before we go to the papers, um, I was doing a podcast uh, with uh, one of our other uh, collaborators, and basically we were looking at the cars that can now fly. I don't know if you've seen any of these, but um, I got to sort of uh, discussing things like, the, the, you know, I don't see good, good coming out of this. If you've got a car that can fly then you've got um, plenty of idiots that will use them for the wrong reasons. I really don't understand why you need to think about a car flying for myself um, when you look at the carnage on the roads. And, uh, you know, I can just imagine somebody um, having a nice cup of coffee down below. Uh, You've got somebody up above who wants to create some sort of mayhem. I mean, you know, they could 
quickly move away, get across the nearest mountain and become a car again rather than a flying car. Um, you know, I don't know whether you've heard of them. And uh, do you realise how, how that they're already developed and available? Yeah, they both, so I remember seeing uh, a programme on a prototype a number of years, quite a few years ago. Um, uh, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's an ideal solution in some respects because we're all trying to travel up and down the same little bit of tarmac. And of course, the roads are getting busier and busier and busier, which creates more and more accidents and fatalities. So if you make it a 3D journey, which the the aircraft do, I mean, you, you, you look up in the sky and think, oh, you see a couple of planes, certainly where we are, we, we're on the flight path to Alicante, uh, and we see an awful lot of tra air traffic above. And you get the impression there's a couple of planes going to crash, but now they're, they're like, there's a couple of mile difference probably between uh, one and another in height, so they might be on a on a trajectory visually to to bash into each other, but of course they don't because they're on on different levels. It's a three D, it's a three D three dimensional world that they they operate in. So if cars were to do the same, I can only assume the sensible thing would be you could only fly above designated areas, so there'd be designated in inverted commas, uh, highways in the sky, meaning that should uh, gravity take effect and your vehicle come crashing down, you would presumably crash on, on unreasonably unpopulated areas. So you need to use these highways in the sky, for me, this is what I'm thinking, in unpopulated areas. Therefore, you would drive on a normal road to these unpopulated areas, then take flight in your car and use those highways in the sky then land in those unpopulated areas and return to road travel. That, to me, can be the only way. The idea of getting in your car and suddenly going vertically upwards in the middle of Altair is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Listen, I think it's the worst possible idea ever. For me, um, I can only see bad in this because, quite frankly, you only have to look at the idiots who want to abuse the freedom of being able to use a car on the road to realise that, you know, there's bound to be quite a number. A, won't really be able to accommodate the skills that you will need to actually get the car and be safe up there. And then to actually, uh, you know, have it available so that somebody can pinch it. And then obviously uh, those that uh, either can or want to just try it have got free reign uh, to a new dimension to crime. No, not not for me. Okay. <laughs> All right, Terry. Well, let's see what we've got in the papers today then. So we'll start with this one. Okay, this is a bit more meat in the sandwich of something that we were looking at last week um, because it was only just uh, about ready to come into play. The Spanish government said on Thursday that residents whose wealth exceeded uh, 3 million euros will be subject to a new asset tax during the next two years, 2023-2024, as part of its upcoming budget. That will need to be approved by the Spanish Congress. Budget and Public Finances Minister Maria Jesus Montero said the temporary wealth tax, which could affect 23,000 people or 0.1% of taxpayers, was one of solidarity. 
Montero said that uh, people with holdings of three to five million will be taxed 1.7 percent. Those whose personal worth is five to ten million will be taxed 2.1 percent. Individuals with fortunes above ten million will pay 3.5 percent. The tax is part of a range of adjustments planned for Spain's upcoming budget that are aimed at alleviating uh, soaring energy prices. The government also plans to increase the income tax rate from 26 to 27% for people earning more than 200,000. Um, and uh, the tax for incomes above 300,000 will go up to a 28%, an increase of 2%. The PSOE Socialist Party and its junior left-wing coalition partner Podemos agreed on the measures which are expected to bring in 3.1 billion euros over the next two years. The government said the money would be used to finance initiatives to help people with lower incomes. The government also plans to reduce the income tax on annual salaries of up to 21,000. The budget minister said this will benefit some 50% of the workforce given that the average annual salary in Spain is 21,000. Montero said the changes would make Spain's tax system more progressive, efficient, fair, and also enough to guarantee social justice and economic efficiency. Right, that's the detail we've got. So we now know what is likely to go ahead. Anything there that worries you or thinks uh, you think that might not be seen as fair? No, I think it's very good. I think it's fair. Plus, there's one thing you didn't mention is that they're actually raising the uh, pensions by 8.5% in Spain. The pensions in Spain are absolutely wonderful. I mean, compared to the UK. Uh, I mean, they're, they're getting on for double what, what the UK pays to their pensioners. Uh, and they've been very quick to uh, increase Spanish pensions by 8.5%. They do an awful lot for the pensioners here. They sort of get free holidays and... Uh, Awful. It's a wonderful place to be able to retire on a Spanish pension. And I now have a Spanish pension, I'm proud to say, though I'm still working. Right. Um, the, 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 the tax system, yeah. But it's, it's a fallacy to think that all that very, very rich people want is to pay less tax. If they're very, very rich, most of them are very rich by the fact that they've been they've, uh, running a really good business. And that's where they're getting their money from. Some win the lottery. You know, some inherit something. But most people with, with money um, have, have, generally speaking, worked very hard for their money and been obviously been fortuitous. But they, if they're in business, they can only exist in business if people buy their products. And if people haven't got the wherewithal, the money, to buy their products, their business is going to go down the tubes. So they're quite happy for, well, I would be quite happy for the general public to be kept in good funds, that they have the, the, the ability to go and buy my products. I'd hate to think there's no money about and uh, they can't afford their electric bill, therefore they're certainly not going to buy my product because that means my business is down the tubes, like my manufacturing business, for instance, my hypothetical business, which means I may have to close and, and put people on the dole and lose a lot of money myself. So I would imagine, and I would be one of them, that most people in business are very happy to pay extra tax um, knowing in the belief that it's going to uh, increase uh, the money in, 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 the, in the general public's pockets. Um, why is it, do you think, that... Um, I, this is a huge question, really, because 
I'm thinking, why is it that that can seem to be so sensible and yet Britain doesn't seem to grasp that sort of same um, yeah. concept? I mean, I, I would have thought that, you know, uh, you don't have to be Robin Hood to be somebody that can see that if you ask your richer citizens to pay more into the tax um, payment uh, mm. and and not make them feel that you know they're being robbed and g- give them the chance to stay rich i mean obviously you don't know fleece them you know something like 15% or something like that i mean but but for, for you don't seem to get that in england you don't seem to feel that there's anywhere near that and with well, us they they bleat the fact on a, a taxation's a massive thing in the uk and of course the the impoverished are always looking uh, and pointing a finger at rich people and saying it's disgusting, look at the money they're earning and blah, blah, uh, without ever thinking, how did they get there? You know, so most people in business like myself, uh, there's an awful lot of tears and pain. Some people make it and make a, make a good living, but others, many of, of whom fail and lose their properties and end up back in poverty themselves. Uh, I would never punish uh, entrepreneurs who made their money. Uh, people who, who have... Uh, inherited them who have won the lottery uh, then I think yeah they should pay a hefty lump because they've not really they've not put anything into the pot to get there if someone's in business and made made themselves a good business they've obviously put a lot of money through the government uh, pot to be redistributed on their way up and it's it, it is a fact but the Britain I mean what we're talking about presumably is the 45% cut the cut from 45% top rate to 40% yeah that the, the British government had just backtracked on. It, her argument was, or his, <laughs> whichever argument it was, his or hers, uh, it was hers, now of course it's his, uh, it, it was that uh, this would encourage companies to open up their businesses in the UK. Because, she said, I heard her say it, that because of the high tax that has to be paid, i.e. on their bonuses, etc., when they get their bonuses, then they pay... 45% tax instead of the 40% that she wants to levy, then the companies concerned have to increase the wages of these individuals pro rata so that they, these individuals who would be in benefit of these bonuses, still get their bonuses but by, via another method, which means the companies have to invest more money into these very special guys who are going to get the bonuses. We're talking about, like, you know, it's 1% of the, of the country. Um, well, it's just—it's absolute nonsense to think that because you drop it from 45 to 40, you're going to get companies queuing up to come and, uh, and open up in the UK. Because now, on that basis, she's saying those companies don't have to pay these wealthy uh, uh, managers so much money because they're going to get more bonus in their pocket because of of a, le- of a, of a, le- of a lesser tax. It's rubbish. It, it does—it doesn't make sense. Then. And we're talking about a thimbleful of money in reality, of a, of a difference. But it means an awful lot to the public to think, hang on, you've just not 5% off the rich people and we're not getting anything. You know, oh yeah, we got 1% off our tax, they got 5% off theirs. They've got more money you know, than, than they're ever going to need in their lifetime. These people get bonuses that, that would last a whole lifetime of a normal person. It was a very, very bad political mistake, and I fear the worst for her government because she's got it, to my mind, completely wrong. It may well work what she's doing, 
It may well work. In theory, if you think about it, if she can create a country that will bring business into the UK, then, of course, her theory will work. It's going to take a while to do it. But what she's not doing is look at Southern Ireland, at Ireland, Republic of Ireland. They did a very, very quick turnaround. Their, their business rates are virtually zero. They just did. They just slashed everything for companies. And then they were, that was followed immediately by a massive investment from companies throughout the world into the Republic of Ireland. It worked. But she's done it the wrong way. In my, in my mind, she's done it completely the wrong way. I hope she's right. I hope for the benefit of the country that she's right. But I've just got a feeling me water. I don't think she'll be in office this time next year. I, I hope you're right as well. Uh, I, I mean, I hope that she's right. Um, but the one thing that I did find strange in the Spanish uh, statement is basically yeah. uh, they're talking about if British people are living here, they've got to have, um, uh, I think they, they, did they mention 25,000 a year? I think they did, actually. I think I seem to remember yeah. that somewhere. So if they're saying that the average wage is probably around 24,000, um, I think it's uh, rather uh, a little bit wrong to be trying to sort of um, target the British people that might come to live here um, and to sort of make them have to think of becoming uh, even more money than... than... Well, it's not targeting the British, Vince. It's targeting anybody who's not a European citizen. Anybody. It's not, it's not country-specific. So they did have the golden passport, didn't they? I remember a few years ago for Russians, if they they punched in, I think there's I think something like two hundred thousand pound or quarter of a million, uh, sorry, quarter of a million euros or something, they could punch in, or uh, it may have gone up to half a million euros in the end to get a uh, a residency. But um, uh, who was it? Just tried to do that, Malta, I think, but it got into serious trouble in Malta because they, I'm sure it was Malta that they've come up with the same system that Spain was doing years ago, whereby you could get like a golden residency yeah. by bringing in X amount of money into the country. Uh, and, uh, and Brussels have gone absolutely uh, rather rather angry, uh, I'm sure it was not, uh, against this country for doing that. So it seems a bit strange that some people can get away with it and others can't. Well, especially when we know from what's happened over the last few weeks, and I've got another story that, that you'll find very interesting, mm -hmm. uh, to do with oligarchs and Russian money and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, it, it, it didn't seem to have any strings on exactly being able to prove where that money had been made, as long as you could say uh, you could bring in uh, at least uh, Ronaldo's one week of sitting on the bench, um, you know, for mm. anyway, look, I'm going to move on because we've got some uh, British news next, which is um, not nice to say the least. Here we go. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of these things, and the first one that I've picked up, uh, I thought, well, okay, we'll have a quick look. This is hot off the press. Three people have been stabbed in a shocking attack in broad daylight on Bishopsgate near Liverpool Street Station. This is City of London and the police have obviously uh, shown footage to uh, let people see the horrifying moment. Three have-a-go heroes are stabbed before four ambulance vehicles and four police cars were seen in attendance at the scene. The City of London Police have uh, said we are aware of an incident this morning on Bishopsgate. Our officers are at the scene and are in attendance. A cordon is currently in place. Now, 
somewhere there's um, an influence which seems to be giving young people the idea that they are free to be carrying knives and committing this type of atrocity. Um, you know, uh, why don't they look at what the media has on every single day of the week, uh, has on offer to show people how to create these, this mayhem? Uh, or am I just being sort of um, annoyed and not really looking in the right direction? So wh where would you look? <coughs> well, there's the, the police, the, the police uh, sadly... Uh, at the bottom of the problem, well, the top of the problem, whichever way you want to look at it. Their funds have been cut over the years, and I get the impression that they're doing a bit of political mongering in regards, pulling coppers off the street and sticking them behind desks to do the paperwork. Hence, until this week, uh, certainly in Manchester, if you had a robbery in your home, you had like a 4% chance of getting the policeman coming to attend to it. Now they've all been instructed that every robbery, someone, a copper, should go to your house. And I hope he's not there to ring the doorbell and go, yeah, sorry, sorry about your robbery, ta-da. I hope it's not that. It's, and it's, that attitude, to me, means that it's, well, criminal, criminology is, 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 is good business. Be it uh, evil people with knives on the street going around stabbing people, misguided children believing they have to carry a knife in inverted commas, to defend themselves, close commas, because they, they, anybody with a knife will use it. If you're carrying a knife, at some point you will use it. And if you're going to use it, you're going to jail or into a coffin, one of the two. Um, it's no good saying I'm carrying it in case I get attacked. It's all right, in case you do get attacked, and you've got a knife, you're going to go to jail or you're going to go in a coffin anyway. It's got to be stopped. And, of course, the police had this horrific uh, control of stop and search whereby they were accused of, of attacking certain communities, attacking a certain word, of stopping certain communities uh, in the street, uh, ethnic communities, in the streets uh, to shake them down to see if they've got a weapon. Um, and the reason being because people of that certain ethnic community have a high percentage of carrying a weapon and, and causing being involved in stabbing people. So if, if for instance, it was Chinese people going around stabbing people. I would expect Chinese people to be stopped and searched more often than me, yeah. to be honest with you. But because the word colour comes into it, it was completely, if it, oof, well, we can't do that, we've got to stop all that, we've got to, we can't be, go around stopping people. So the, the kids weren't getting stopped, people weren't getting stopped, villains weren't getting stopped. And it's it statistically, apart from that, it's statistically become sound business to be involved in crime in the UK. The chat, all business is a risk, as we spoke about earlier. Some people make it, some people don't. So you, well, most people put their whole lives into it, and they can lose their houses and lose everything. They're never heard from again. The only people you hear about are the people who've made it and making a few bob and the proletariat launching against them. Look at these evil rich people. But business, as a crime, as a business, pays. Every business is a risk, but crime is a, is a, is, is a calculated risk which at the minute, in the UK, pays. If we look... It's a stupid thing to say, Vince. But if I had any brains in my head, I'll forget being a, 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 a construction specialist and get into crime. Because if I'm only looking at money, that's where I'll make more money. Terry, The if chances it... of me being captured are slim or none. 
If we look at uh, back in the time I was studying, the 1980s in the UK, um, okay, we still haven't got this right. It's black. We're not talking about colour, really. We're talking about the black community. And, you know, I I, uh, sometimes feel that we're all very confused as to what we mean when we talk about the black community. But they had identified in the 1980s that uh, the black on black deserved attention because there was that many there were that many crimes being committed that at least by stop and search the police had a bit of an idea of uh, how to start looking for the problem and how to start controlling it um, yeah. but the, the the problem really is is it that people are uh, not using the right terminology is it that maybe you know uh, when the likes of Meghan Markle is talking about black or when we talk about the Asians, they're not really the same black people as the Caribbean and, you know, that type of black. And really, the sad thing is that, you know, I'm even having to use language which I don't want to use to try and identify what we're talking about, Uh, because both you and I have uh, known people who are are black. That's the colour that they would always have told me they were. And they were very, very, very nice people who I really enjoyed being in their company. However, we've got to a, a point now where I think the ethnicity has got so muddled in the way people are reporting and the way people are talking about it. Um, when somebody like Meghan Markle appears on TV claiming to be black, I find that I find that difficult. I don't know if you feel the same. Well, she makes money out of it. You know, she's clever. I mean, she's half-caste. She, she, can, she can jump either side of the fence, you know. Let's be face it. The whole world is waiting to see if, if, uh, if hers and Harry's baby was white or black. But you can't have that conversation. No way you could have that conversation. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? If you're, uh, if you're, my son is, lives with it with a black girl. Uh, if they had a baby, we would automatically think, I want it for a black child or a white child or or, or a mixed colour. Of course, you would think that. Well, the child, you know, you, if anybody has going to somebody's pregnant, oh, what if they'll have blonde hair like the mom or black hair like the dad? Of course you do. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> This conversation, Vince, in 20 years' time, it won't, it won't be happening. There was a, a clip I saw from a, a lord in the House of Lords. I'll have to send it to you. Who made a statement in the House of Lords. Uh, it was an old boy, of course, and he stood up. He made a long statement about ethnicity. And he said, at the moment, um, 20% of children in school come from ethnic minorities. It's 20%. He said, in 20 years' time, it will be 40%. And in 40 years' time, white, English, British people will make up a maximum 45% of the population, thus becoming the minority. So the conversation we're having doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything in 40 years' time. Okay. Because we'll be talking about a minority being the white population, not the non-white population. Okay, Terry, I'll move on. Here comes the next one. 
Now, this again is looking at uh, the police and the judiciary. A motorist who refused a breath test when police found her drunk on the side of a busy road has avoided jail after she claims she didn't start drinking until after her car broke down. Elizabeth McKnight, 26, twice refused to give the sample after police approached her on a grass verge by her stationary uh, Nissan Qashqai in Chester on August the 6th. The mother of two of Bromborough, uh, Wirral Cheshire, told officers she downed two bottles of wine on the road while waiting for her father to come and collect her after her car broke down. She also said she had thrown away two empty bottles of wine further up the embankment, but officers found no bottles on the verge, instead discovering a near-empty bottle of wine in the footwell of the car. Inquiries revealed the Nissan was also Uninsured, McKnight appeared in Chester Magistrates Court where she admitted to failing to provide a specimen of breath. She faced a possible six-month jail sentence but was given instead a 12-month, you've probably guessed it, community correction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, had a license suspended for license suspended for two years, and was ordered to complete sixty hours unpaid work plus an additional twenty rehabilitation activity days with the probation service. She was further charged, um, uh, sorry, further ordered to pay costs and a victim surcharge of two hundred and thirty-four pound. Uh, she was twenty-six and uh, citing her ADHD, anxiety, and dyslexia during yeah. the hearing, and claimed she was a victim of domestic mm. violence. Aaron Smith, prosecuting, said the officer noticed she was unsteady on her feet, close to the edge of the road. Initially, she did not give details of who was driving prior to stopping. However, it was confirmed to the officer that Miss McKnight was indeed the driver. She was detained in the police vehicle. The police (coughs) officer noted that she smelt of intoxicating liquor. Her eyes were glazed and red and her words were slurred when she spoke. Now, if that is not somebody who has obviously been drinking and driving... Um, you know, I've never really heard anybody sort of offer the 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 fact that they downed two bottles of wine whilst they were waiting for the police to arrive. I mean, really? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 a friend of mine always carried half a bottle of whiskey in the front of his car for that, for that very purpose. Uh, but did you say that she was she the car broke down? Yes. And so the police said she wasn't in charge of the car. Yes. She was standing at the side of the road, but they can't do her anyway. It's no good assuming that she was drunk whilst driving the car that's recently broken down. They can't do her. They can't. The idea is driving under the influence, which she wasn't. She's not driving. And driving also, if you, you could be sat in the car with the keys of the ignition, that means you're driving. As long as your keys aren't in the ignition, you're not in control of the car. You can be as drunk as a Watson, and they can't do you for it. Um, so, no, they can't. They've actually got to catch her physically driving the vehicle and stop her at the, that point and test her. No good, because she has got a valid argument. Obviously, I don't believe a word of it. But uh, she's got a valid argument. She does have a valid argument, because conceivably, that could happen, Vince. You know, Am I, I right? Um... And, uh, got a few bottles of wine in the back of the car. Car's broken down. She's not going anywhere. I've, I've got to wait ages for a tow truck or someone to pick me up. Bugger it, I'll have a drink and join myself. Yeah. So you can't come along and do me for drink driving. I'm not actually driving the vehicle. You can really see that one coming, can't you? You know. Um, oh God, yeah, yeah, I've, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just surmising, but it can happen. Well, highly unlikely it did happen. I must admit, but who am I to say? But it can happen. 
All right. Um, well, we'll find another one. Stand by. If I'm honest, you see, a lot of the way that I see these things is, look, as a, as a teacher, you mm. used to have to listen to the most ridiculously stupid excuses for being late. Yeah, or, I'll get my homework. Exactly. So, I mean, that one is utterly, utterly <laughs> beyond the pale for me. I've now, <laughs> yeah, uh, this one I found very interesting. Vladimir Putin is set to make hundreds of millions of pounds from a luxury development in an exclusive area of London. Um, Russia is building uh, 255 flats on a site in Kensington. It bought in 2006 for £8 million. Using an offshore company, it is planning to use the vast profits from the scheme to refurbish its embassy properties in the capital. But documents seen by the newspaper that I saw this in show that any surplus remaining will go to the Kremlin. Um, uh, the uh, mail was the paper I, I read it in can also reveal a Moscow based banker convicted of corruption appears to have been closely involved in the development uh, Eleng Kotova is named in the planning application to Kensington and Chelsea Council she lost her job at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development because she was convicted of corruption for seeking a £1 million bribe in Moscow in 2014. The UK National Crime Agency also concluded that Katova had solicited bribes to green light projects from EBRD. Let's see what that was. The That was the... Um, Mm, I've lost that for the moment, but never mind. Uh, from 2005 to 2011, and seized her 1.5 million London apartment as well as 230,000 in cash. Uh, she maintains her innocence, and land registry documents show the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and a state owned bank bought the land to be developed at 245 Warwick Road, Kensington. It is controlled through a complicated structure. Since 2008, there have been numerous planning applications submitted for the site, which Kensington and Chelsea Council approved in 2012. Based on similar developments, the Kremlin stands to turn its, 20, uh, its £8 million investment into hundreds of millions of pounds. The news that Moscow is profiting from property speculation in the UK while fighting an expensive war in Ukraine will inevitably cause dismay. This year, oligarchs with close ties to President Putin have been hit by sanctions. Elsewhere in London, the Kremlin's properties include at least 12 flats and houses in central London. Its portfolio is estimated at 100 million and the Russian embassy did not respond to any request for comment. Um, right. So we do know that obviously um, they could get their hands on Chelsea. Um, we see now that um, an American is doing, uh, obviously making Americanisms come to fruition at uh, the Chelsea um, ground. Whereas mm -hmm. it would appear from what I've just read, they know that if you have um, Kremlin own property it would appear that they're not doing much about it um i don't understand that nor do i if there's uh restrictions on 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 russian investments that's the way i see it then this is a russian investment but obviously it's there's a shell company that's 
handling the construction of the the business, I would assume. And what this what you're saying is that the uh, the the benefactor of that ship company in down through a different through a series of uh, switches and turns is 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 Russia. Uh, it's gonna gonna happen. It's very hard to prove it. So that's probably why it's going on. But if they do know it's going on, then why don't they do something about it? But it's proving it, I suppose, really. Yeah, but if it's um, written in the paper, what the hell? Just, you know, that's just that's a scratch, you know. In in <laughs> in, uh, I was I had dinner with a guy the other night, a businessman, uh, a British businessman. Uh, I'm talking about corruption in Spain, and he said to me, uh, he was explaining how he he, he lost a, a really good project, the lack. Of paying a one million pound bong, uh, I can't believe it. He didn't go into it. He was very good about it. Yeah. He didn't go into it, and the whys and wherefores and who's. He said, but it is still rife in the UK. I said, it's, it's going to be rife everywhere. It's not just the UK. It's the way the world is. It's people who, who can influence a decision on a committee, then find out their weaknesses and give them some money or give them what they want. That's that's always going to happen. I mean, I I, uh, I I can't believe how there've been some recent contracts in Altair that uh, they've destroyed basically the centre of Altair. They they adjudicated a construction job to a company who had no idea how to even go about it. They completely, well, as far as I know now, they've been thrown off, and they're having to re-adjudicate uh, under tender under tendering another company to finish off what these people have, uh, 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 have done. But this same company, it's a brand new, say brand new, it's a fairly new company. And I'm going all, I work all over this area, I'm, and I've seen in different town halls where this company has won tenders in, in lots of town halls. So uh, how are they getting all these tenders through? How come are they winning all these contracts? I mean, they, don't, they didn't have the men to do the job. They didn't have the machinery to do the job. Uh, they couldn't pay the men when they, when they got them because they'd pitched the job so cheap to get in and no doubt other expenses. And they're, 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 it's just uh, absolute... It's a circus. It's a comedy uh, to see that it is going on. Um, but it's, I think it's, it is going on. It's always going on. So whether it's going on in London or it's going on in, in Birmingham or B Brussels or Moscow, it happens. And I, it'll always be there. Occasionally something will come out into the newspapers, but everyone you see in the newspaper, you can multiply that by a thousand. Uh, but they don't get into a newspaper, obviously, for obvious reasons. It's the way of the world, I think, sadly. I, I just found it very strange that, you know, they could find very quickly um, Abramovich and uh, take his money uh, away from him very, very quickly. Um, but the one that really they need to hurt to, to make sure that uh, hopefully this war can ever stop is allowed, obviously, to get away with something that other people can't get away with. So it's just, I find that very, very strange. But... <laughs> Don't cry for a Don't cry for any of these people. On the face of it, they've been thrown out. They've lost it. They've had that frozen. But trust me, they have got plenty squirrelled away here, there, and everywhere. Nobody's actually suffering. But it looks good on paper, and uh, it's the way we can. We're, we're fighting war without losing. Um, we got getting casualties without firing a shot. And on mass across the world. These economic restrictions are working. But, of course, now 
he has the control of gas. He has the control of uh, a lot of refined oil, uh, certainly the diesel. Most diesel is refined in, in, in Russia. Mm. All the, the, the European uh, uh, refineries, one by one, started closing down over COVID. Why? Because the European countries have stated to a man that in the next 10 years, there won't be any diesel cars on the road. So why the hell do I want to have a, a, run a, a diesel refinery when the costs are going up and everything's getting, and there's COVID and there's this and that and the other? So I just shut the thing down, let Russia make all the diesel. So they did. Hmm. So now you know, that's why your diesel is, my diesel is doubled in price in the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay, let me give you the next one. Stand by. It's your calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe calling. Okay, so um, you might have seen this one. A shocking video showing the moment a barrel of liquid nitrogen exploded in a botched chemistry experiment in Spain caused 15 people, including nine children, to be hospitalised. And the blast from the experiment at the House of Culture in Hirona, um Gosh, that's the Casa Cotoro, is it? The, um, uh, anyway, um, victims with burns, which were treated at Plata del Hospital. Um, the footage showed the crowd consisting mainly of children and a few parents waiting expectantly to see the experiment and some with cameras at the ready, as usual. The event, which Hirona's mayor, Marta Madrena, said was organised by the local university, saw those taking part get their audience prepared by playing Bruno Mars' Uptown Funk and encouraging them to look in the barrels. Uh, the next minute, you know, you see this uh, explosion and you think to yourself, how on earth has that one happened? Did you see it? And uh, what did you think of it if you did? No, I didn't see that at all, Vince. No. Mm. I didn't see that. Where was that? It was up in Hirona, and um, it was organised by the university, and uh, they were busy um, showing the uh, kids, you know, this particular experiment. And um, anyway, the battles exploded. And uh, so much for health and safety. Yeah? Well, I mean, I, I just look at the things that happen here, like uh, obviously the the likes of people being attacked by bulls in the street. Still, you know, uh, I would have thought. Oh, by... that's all right, Vince. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. People can people can get disemboweled and slaughtered and killed in the streets by by a running bull. That's quite normal. 20, right. 2022, I would have thought we would be thinking differently by then. As it is, um, you know, I don't actually have a problem with the bullfights as such, but I do really have a bit of a problem with uh, people bull baiting, which a lot of them seem to do, even especially around this area. Anyway. Well, I, I was reading a thing, I just glanced at it earlier. Uh, I think it's on Twitter, like on Spanish Twitter or something, where there's massive, um, I might be wrong with this, it's on some social media. There's massive amounts of videos of like dogfights and uh, like bull baiting of, of animals um, fighting to death, being tortured, doing this, that and the other. Massive and massive amounts of it and, and they're refusing to take it off. I, I, I can only assume, as I mentioned a few times, um, uh, animals have no soul, as they are instructed to believe. 
in the years and years ago in the Civil War, the, 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 the Spanish were told that animals don't have a soul on the basis that it was Daniel's Zambi means the years of starvation during the Civil War. People were starving to death. They were told they could eat their cats and dogs uh, as well as anything else, you know, not just the pigs and the, the sheep. Yeah. Weren't anybody weren't any around by there. But you could eat your cats and dogs because animals have no soul. I can only assume that from that, um, they assume that cruelty to an animal is just a bit of fun. We did actually... Not, I mean, it's a big word, though. That I should never have to say that. But I can only... I, I think it's quite rife with that way. And the proof mm. being that I read today, I can't remember which social media it was, but they were allowing uh, videos of torture to and dogs and cats fighting, torture of animals to be shown... Yeah, and they wouldn't take them down. Well, we we co covered a little bit of that last week, so it looks like probably there's more of that mm. in the uh, in the general media. I'll move on. Yeah. Uh, let's see where we go next. Okay, driving in Spain next, and uh, the ambassador' latest messages uh, have done little to calm the anger, the frustration, and sense of helplessness felt by those who almost five months ago were told they could no longer drive on Spanish roads if they were resident in Spain, uh, yet still holding a UK driving licence, of course. Um, since the 1st of May 2022, thousands of UK licence holders who had been residents for six months or more have been unable to drive with their UK licences, even though the vast majority of other EU nations have struck deals with the UK post-Brexit for the simple exchange of driving licences. It reportedly affects a minority of the 407,000 UK nationals here, and um, many managed to exchange their licences for a Spanish one before the deadline at the end of 2020 as advised. Um, meanwhile, a British tourist visiting Spain can rent a car without any issue using their UK licence. The fact that Spanish licence holders living in the UK can also continue to exchange their permits in the UK some 20, mon 20 months after Brexit came into force has made the issue even more frustrating. Uh, so, obviously, as you'd expect, one person has set up a Facebook group called Invasion of the British Embassy in Madrid uh, with the aims of organising a peaceful demonstration, blah-de-blah. -blah. Terry, we were sort of saying many, many years ago that really it makes sense. If you're going to be here, um, then obviously, if you're resident here, get yourself a Spanish uh, driving licence. I mean, that's created the problem that needn't have existed, isn't it? Vince, I'm daily embarrassed to be British when I hear or I read on social media comments of my fellow residents in Spain who complained, number one, the policeman didn't speak any English. Yeah. Like in Bradford, they speak Spanish, don't they? The yeah. Spanish person goes to Bradford. All the police in Bradford speak Spanish. Yeah, that one. Uh, went to the doctor, I can't believe he didn't speak English. It's ridiculous. Going on and on as if the British people have a God-given right that the whole of the world speaks English. And they have, don't have to learn any language at all, albeit we all suffered French classes and the rest of it at school. Yeah. I had German as well, which drove me around the bend. Uh, I'm lucky. Uh, I speak fluent Spanish. I used to speak pretty good French as well, funny enough, but that's gone now because I don't use it. But I made the effort. You make the effort. People say, oh, I can't do it. And most people I talk to, yeah, we're, we're going to start learning. Well, they never do. They learn, una cerveza, por favor, un café con leche, 
La Cuenta, half a dozen different phrases if you're lucky. And um, oh, I had a bloke yesterday. He asked for a Tevetha sin, uh, sin gas. I said, what are you asking for? Flat beer. He said, no, that's beer without alcohol. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> you're getting confused from agua, agua sin gas, which is water yeah. without, in other words, non-fizzy water, mineral water. And Tevetha sin alcohol is yeah. beer without alcohol for anyone. It's, they don't. I, I, I would ascertain, I would guess that 99% of all British people here do not speak enough language to get by culturally. And they are missing out on so, so much. Yeah. It's a wonderful country. It's a completely different culture. I embrace it. It's fantastic. I love it. I love talking to my Spanish friends from all over different parts of Spain. They all defend their own bit of culture from the certain part of Spain where they come from. It's wonderful conversations. It's not all just football and politics. They don't believe it. They don't, I don't talk about football and politics with Spanish people. They're not bothered. But British people, so they think they can come over here with their British driving licence and drive. Why should I get a Spanish driving licence? Well, because if you commit a crime and a driving offence, then how are they going to take the points off you? I yeah. don't know if they can take the points off your British driving licence or whatever, but... You should be made, uh, you should not be allowed on the roads if you haven't got a Spanish driving license. Now, I wouldn't mind, Vince, if they'd not had at least four years' notice to get it done. Yeah. And yet, still, on Facebook, there's not a day goes by that somebody's bleating and bleating about their British driving license and when are they going to sort it out? This is ridiculous. Go and get a Spanish one. You've had enough time to get one. They extended it and extended it and extended it. Go and get one. No, I'm, I'm happy exactly with what you said. Can't disagree with anything at all there. Terry, I've got two very interesting pieces that I'd like okay. to discuss with you. Here's the first. Uh, now then, this is these blessed eco-warriors. And one in particular has prompted fury over her perplexing decision to pour a bucket of human excrement over a memorial to that lovely Captain Sir Tom Moore. This is in a protest over the use of private jets. Now, the bizarre decision to target a beloved national hero. This was a little old a gentleman who was walking up and down during the confinement, for the um, the lockdown, um, and um, you know he endeared himself to so many people. Uh, he, but raised, he raised a hell of a lot of money. He did, for, but for, you for, see, for the, for the nurses for the NHS, he, he did. And he was he, knighted he, for it. And he he got his hundredth uh, birthday, didn't he? he, got he his... Yeah, yeah, a lovely, lovely uh, national lovely hero. Yeah. Um, anyway, this blessed former medical student, Maddie Bud, twenty-one year old, on behalf of a pressure group and UK private jets, filmed herself pouring a canister of feces and urine over the memorial to the late captain. And, um, you know, this was just as it was before his 100th birthday. Um, she was saying every time a private jet takes off, it pours a bucket of uh, SH-1T and a blood onto everything that Captain Tom stood for, Maddie said in a recorded statement by way of justification for the vandalism. People are going to say that he's a hero. People are going to say that this is profoundly, obscenely disrespectful to his life and to the NHS he stood up for, and I agree. 
but the backlash against the act has been so severe that there are already threats of pressing police charges against the eco-fanatic. And what the <laughs> hell's going on uh, if they're only threatening? Vince, Vince, Vince. Firstly, how many times every week we're talking about people who want to get their 15 minutes of fame. They will debase themselves to do anything to get in the papers and to get us talking about it. What needs to happen, Vince, is, for instance, uh, when you get these people, uh, these, these idiots who, who take delight in spraying obscenities on the sides of buildings, then, uh, A, they should be caught. There's enough bloody cameras about that can catch a, a million cars doing speeding. Surely that can catch an idiot with a spray can. Uh, go around to his house and, and, and tear all his, all his belongings. That's a girl. This, this, this woman who, who, who tipped all the excrement over the statue, yeah. I will go around to her house, I'll empty her wardrobe, bring it all down to the statue and stand there while she cleaned every bit of crap, literally, off the statue with her own clothes. And that's a way of stopping it, Vince. It's no good letting people get away with it and getting their, their name in the paper. She's now famous. We've inadvertently made her famous. And she doesn't deserve it. Well, I would she like to see... To all her clothes, taken from the wardrobe, and make her wipe the whole lot down. I, I would like to see a bucket of manure ch chucked over her, quite honestly, because... That would be very nice. And Vince, even the barber says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If we did more of this... It wasn't that long ago that the Isle of Man had birching, that they stopped mm. birching. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> so we're going to have to start hanging people out in the middle of the square, though. There might be one or two that might be well worth watching. But uh, I do believe that the punishment should fit the crime. There's too many people languishing in prison for tax evasion, and that yet criminals are being allowed out on a daily basis. Evil criminals are allowed out on a daily basis. Yeah. It's completely wrong. Wrong. All right, Terry, here's the last one then, because okay. uh, quite frankly, there's a Dr. Anmol Arora, and she's a researcher at Cambridge University. So she went into somebody's house and, um, you know, the children were being made to ask the Alexa machine to, uh, you know, play a record or whatever it was. And uh, basically she noticed that the children obviously weren't saying please and thank you. And they were laughing when she said they're learning things that aren't uh, going to help them have good manners um so uh, when they ask a question they receive a specific and concise answer she says but this goes against how ch children typically learn traditionally children piece together bits of information to create a web of knowledge rather than try to assimilate random facts that don't necessarily tie together or have a context or crucially explanation of the reasoning behind the answer so what she's uh, rather than read the whole thing out to her uh, she's saying that alexa can't tell them off for being rude and so um, the research apparently has shown that children in a home with a device speak to it daily while talking to their grandparents uh, that happens about every 10 days and the same poll found that nearly three quarters admitted that they didn't say please or thank you when speaking to the smart speakers um, and she says I can't help but feel this must affect their interaction with people uh, so how uh, do you make the distinction between demanding Alexa play and then of course having an interaction which is um, you know, trying to be nice and create a nice ambience when you're t talking to people. So, first of all, I agree. Do you have an Alexa? No, I wouldn't have one anywhere near my place. No, and, and you me, know, me, the number me, of people that complain about the fact that government prying into your 
your affairs and the tax plan prior to your affairs and banks and, and, and people emailing you stuff and phoning you up trying to get information off you, and they complain about it. Yet they have these bloody stupid things in their houses which are listening all the time to everything they say. Are they absolutely balmy? I really, really don't understand it, Vince. I'm sorry, mate. I no, really no, do I, not understand it. I feel the same. How can you... What? Why do I need my daughter in the UK? She goes, oh, Alexa, turn the radio on. Or Alexa, play this. Well, I can turn the radio on and off, and I can put a bit of music on. It's all been a little bit flash, isn't it? It's all been a little bit silly. Like something out of uh, 2001 The Space Odyssey. Okay, well, Hal. No, uh, I agree. It's, it's, it, but this thing's listening, Vince. If we had a conversation with Alexa next to us about yellow tractors, I wouldn't mind betting in a couple of days' time there'd be a load of emails in your box and spam regarding yellow tractors. I went down to a restaurant in Altea yesterday uh, to meet a friend who we go and have a meal with because obviously um, he's been on his own for a while. And uh, anyway... You know the way your Google immediately sends you a message about how did you enjoy your meal at, and they name the restaurant. Well, they actually got the wrong restaurant. So they got the <laughs> restaurant that I wasn't even in, which is even more annoying, isn't it? But yeah. I, I object to the fact that, you know, you'll go to a shop, be it Little Aldi or whatever you've been to, and within a minute, you've got a message asking you to uh, start rating the staff and the service and whether you like the place. Uh, yeah, I'm not having it, Mitch. Uh, um, uh, listen, I, I am plagued by telesales. I'll tell you what I've had recently. And uh, I was in the car and one rang up the other day. My wife was in the car. And what was he saying? He's from, he's from Ecological something or other. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've had him before. I thought, that sounds familiar. And uh, so uh, I said, uh, who are you from? And there was a brief pause, and he repeated the sentence again. And then he asked a question. I thought, I've heard that question before, and the way he said it. So I said, uh, what time is it? Yes. And the thing went quiet. And then it played the first, it played the first paragraph again. Yes. It's a robot. Exactly. It's a really clever one. Yeah. I've had, I've had stupid robots come on, you know, where you can tell straight away. But this was a very, very, very clever robot. Yeah. So I explained to my wife, because she said, why are you being rude to him? I said, it's not a him, look. It's a bloody robot. The way to get round it, ask a completely ridiculous question. You know, what's the weather like in Madrid? You know, and somebody will come back automatically, oh, I'm not in Madrid. No, but if it's a robot, they won't. There'll be a pause for a second, and it will chuck in something it thinks you want to hear or what it wants to know from you. But there's more and more of them. And what, what I need to know, and if you know, tell me. I think in the UK, there's you can sign up to something that cuts all this spam crap out on burying and burning shed loads of spam uh, coming to me emails onto my phone people phoning me up more most of the calls i get on all my phones are telly sales i promise yeah. you that yeah. I'm, I'm quite rude to them, i promise you no I look them, look i block them i block them i block them i block the number and they, they come again at you with another number it's got to be illegal somewhere. Now, I feel the same. And also, while we're talking about the robots and the artificial intelligence, um, I think the papers are being also written in a way that probably they are not actually a journalist now. I think that that is part of the problem. We're losing, um, you know, certainly the syntax and the grammar and everything that you'd expect to see in what should be a quality journal. Uh, they're not happening anymore. So... I ain't, I ain't too happy 
Uh, if, <laughs> yeah. All right, Terry. Well, look, we've actually got there again. Uh, we've well got the Champions League back this week with Manchester City looking absolutely uh, amazing. I think that uh, Haaland, I think he's an artificial um, guy when as well. When you say Manchester City, you mean Erling Haaland, you know? Take him out of the team. I don't think you're going to have the same team. Well, you certainly won't have the same scoreline, but uh, I reckon he could be a robot as well. You never know, do you? It's a big one, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> OK, Terry, that's uh, put this week to bed then. So thanks Lovely. for your time you and uh, we look forward to next week, Terry. Igualmente, senor. Muchísimas gracias. Hello.